I, I can text her and say that you'll, you're going to head over there afterwards. Either way, you tell me whatever you want. But I, I, I want them. I want them to be for me. Mike, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. That is very, very sweet. Okay. And listen, are you are you still helping in the uh, sound booth? Are you going to? Yeah. Okay. Because I know that. Um, thank you.
Good morning. I would invite you to stand as we begin our time of worship by singing together, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Would you stand? Good morning. How are you today? Well, welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We're so thankful that you've taken the time and the opportunity to come and uh, share this time of worship, hearing God's Word and listening to what He has to say today. So thank you for doing that. As we uh, prepare to, uh, uh, to enjoy the rest of this service, I just want to remind you that if you have never filled out one of our guest cards, we'd love for you to take the opportunity to do so. Just take the, uh, the card from the pew in front of you, in front of one of those hymn books, fill it out in its entirety. And when you leave today, just drop it in one of the offering boxes. We would certainly appreciate that. Join me in prayer, and then we will continue our time of worship. Father, thank you for the opportunity. What a great opportunity to come with brothers and sisters, with a family of faith, 
a time for us to reflect and to remember and again to look forward to what the power of your spirit will say to us today and how it will affect us in the days ahead. So I pray as we sing the songs of the faith, the words will be meaningful. We will intentionally, as an act of worship, lift up our voices as an aroma of praise. And I pray also, God, that our ears would be open, that our spirit would listen as your spirit speaks, as we look at this last segment in the book of Philippians. There's much to say and much to hear and much to respond to. And so, Father, give us those ears to hear and a willingness to take sometimes challenging and uncomfortable steps to be right in the middle of your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing together. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, we find these words. The God of old is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. Let's sing that old familiar hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. and thunders roar, I will soar with you, Lord, above. I need now under your wings cover me within your mighty hand when 
Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Will you join with me in prayer, please? No, I am not Pat Sentner. So, I'm Jim. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, indeed, your strength is perfect. Father, you provide everything we need. All we have to do is rely on you. Put our faith in you. Put our trust in you. And your strength will be there for us, Father. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this beautiful day that we can gather together in your house. And we just ask you to be with each of our members, those that are not feeling well, those who are unable to be here today. Lord, bless them, strengthen them, and bring them back again quickly. Father, we just... Pray now for the pastor as he brings your message this morning, that your word will touch our hearts, and Lord, that it will bring us to that realization that your strength really is perfect. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied, God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings. 
again and I invite you to stand and remain standing after we sing that as we sing Great is Thy Faithfulness through it all. Through it all Through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus I've learned to trust in Thank you. 
Good morning. Our scripture reading for today is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 19. Please join in the reading of these verses. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is like to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, and they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. We are blessed by the sharing of this scripture, and our hearts are filled knowing that these are the words of the Lord.
I remember my grandfather. He had a very colorful life, as his father did. And uh, when I was in college, he came to stay with my mom and dad for about three months. And fortunately, I was able to come and spend a good portion of the summer just talking to him. Uh, he was probably around 78, I think, at that time. Um, we talked about all his adventures. He was classified as a wanderer. He couldn't stay in one place very long. And so working as a cook on the railroad, spending time actually owning a restaurant uh, in Pie Town, um, New Mexico, by the way. The time that he spent um, homesteading from covered wagons to Model Ts, we just talked about all kinds of things. And he was getting to a place where he wasn't remembering as much. But I thought to myself, here is this man who has lived such a colorful and exciting life doing so many different things. And what I also realized is how many knocks and how many times he had been knocked down through life. From the loss of his wife when my dad was, I believe, seven years old, to remarrying, bringing on stepchildren in those days, the depression. I mean, there's so many different things that he had to deal with. And he dealt with them with courage and with always, in my view, a look to the future. He was a... Uh, to me, a joyful man. We went to live with them when I was about um, eight or nine years old for a few months until my parents could get their feet on the ground. And uh, we were in this little two-bedroom shack, basically. And somehow we made it work. But he taught me so many things when I was there. He taught me how to play croquet. He taught me how to uh, understand that when you play Old Saul, you can make a deal with Old Saul. I would have called it cheated, but that's not what he called it. <laughs> it was a man that, through life, had this joy and had this peace and had this outlook that no matter what the future held that he would be able to accomplish that and why is that because i believe that he had a faith in jesus christ the apostle paul as we look at this final passage in the book of philippians he had determined and learned the secret that I believe my grandfather had, and probably you have as well in your journeys, the secret of handling life in your journey. He had been through it all, Paul had. He had been shipwrecked, found himself in hunger, 
found himself cold, found himself in prison. He saw prosperity. He saw the good times. He saw the bad times. He felt the experience of being left for dead on the side of the road. But he said in verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He had learned that, he said. He had learned to be content no matter what. And I think that might be the question for you and me. No matter what happens in our lives, because every one of us are going to have things that will happen to us or have already happened to us, and some of those things aren't going away as we move to the future, have we learned to be content? So how do we learn the secret of handling life at this season of our life? Well, I think there are three things that I, uh, I would like to pass on to you. Number one is we must not be ashamed to lean on others. It's probably one of the hardest things for, uh, for most of us. We always believe that, you know what, I can do it. I can do it myself. We started that when we were about uh, 18 months to two years old, right? I can do it myself. And now we're 70, 80, 90, and we can say, I can do it myself. <laughs> I'm not sure through the course of life we have done a great job of being able to lean on others when the need is there. Epaphroditus had been sent by the church to check on the Apostle Paul. Paul was in prison at Rome, as we've talked about numerous times. He was bringing him some necessary items to help in his comfort in this difficult time. In thanking them for their kindness, the Apostle Paul wrote in verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have had no opportunity to show it. And then in verse 14 he says, Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. In verse 15 he confessed that on his missionary journeys, they were the only church that was thoughtful enough to help supply his needs. Quickly, in verse 17, he assured them that he did not have his hand out. He was no beggar. He didn't want them to misunderstand what he was trying to communicate in this letter to say thanks. There is a difference, absolutely, from people who just always want to be takers. We have to learn as believers in Christ that God has gifted us and given us the ability and he has uh, given us skills, he's given us intelligence, he's given us strength to accomplish the things he wants us to do. But that doesn't mean that we are Lone Ranger Christians out there doing our thing. It doesn't mean that we're going to be a welfare mentality saying, well, the church has got to do everything for us. What it means is that as we're striving to go through life, we're going to be hit by lots of different things. And we must, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the family of God, be willing to lean on each other. Verse 18, he said, the gifts you sent and he called them a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. 
So Paul, in writing this letter, thanking them for remembering him, for caring for him, for being thoughtful to him. These expressions of, of helpfulness from a thoughtful church and we see Paul's response, it gives us a very clear understanding that Christians must lean on each other if we're going to be able to handle life as we journey on. And it's even more so in this season of our lives. You see, everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs a helping hand sometime. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul said, you know, bear one another's burdens. In other words, it's okay. It's okay to come to the side of somebody and help them. And it's okay to ask somebody to come to your side and help you at the time when you can no longer go on. I believe that one of the greatest uh, Christians in history was Tertullian. He was born uh, about 150 A.D. in Carthage, North Africa. He was the first theologian to use the term Trinitas, the Trinity, to describe the Godhead. In his book, Apology, Tertullian told how the early Christians helped each other, ministered to the sick, to those in need, and to those who were being persecuted. And then he wrote that a love so noble had made such a great impression upon those who were against Christianity. So much so that even the enemies of Christ and Christians said, see how they love one another. Would that not be a great tribute for us? For the community at large to say, see how they love one another. They put any differences aside, and Christ is shining bright. And the compassion of Christ is reaching out and touching one another through these believers. This is the kind of love that the Philippians had for the Apostle Paul and he for them. It was that same type of love. But love is more than a, a four-letter word. Love is alive and active and it expresses itself, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. It is action-based. If you love someone, you're going to invest in them. And by the same token, you're going to feel that you can ask for someone to come along beside you when it's needed. Although we may not recognize it, uh, we benefit for what others have done. You go back in our own history, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin, and therefore I can have clothes on my back. Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone so we can have communication, probably more communication today with our cell phones than we ever wanted. But he still brought that communication about. Louis Pasteur perfected the process so that we could be immunized 
from diseases that are dreadful, possibly deadly. The Curies discovered radium that allows radiation, which is so instrumental and helpful many times in our treatment of cancer. Gutenberg developed the printing press. He developed the ability for us to have books so that we could gain knowledge. Edison invented the electric light bulbs and he turned our dark world into light. This morning, everything that we see here was developed by someone. And it can benefit our lives. And we begin to lean on those things. So for us to say, no, I can just do it by myself, would be really a misnomer. None of us is an island unto themselves. Not a one of us stands alone. We need each other. Christ is the head of the church. The church was formed as a body of baptized believers, the assembly of the ones who believe in Christ so that we are a family. And as a family, we try to get to know each other more. We strive in our own church fellowship to, to do all kinds of things where people can connect and get to know others in smaller groups. Rather than the folks over on this side of the worship center not knowing the folks that are over on this side very well. Just kind of wave, even if you do that. And the folks in the center don't know which way to go. <laughs> Striving to be together as the family of faith is critical for us. Not just on Sunday morning, but as a family unit every day of the week. I believe that it is kind and Christian to minister to others who are in need. And I also believe that it is kind and Christian to accept help from others when we need it. You remember that Jesus told us it is more blessed to give than to receive. At the same time, I believe both are critical. Giving and receiving to help us handle the difficulties of life that always come. Secondly, we must accept the things that we cannot change. Paul said in verses 11 and 12, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. What a marvelous thing it is to come to the place that you can accept those things that you can't change. It's hard. 
The research shows that, um, that men normally go through some kind of a, across, I mean, this is worldwide, some kind of a depressive state in their late 50s and early 60s because they come to realize that their illustrious dreams for the future, well, there's a lot of them that are not being fulfilled and will not be. Ladies hit that a little bit earlier in life, according to the research. What does that mean? What it means is that there's going to come a time in our life when we've got to, to realize there are things that are not going to be accomplished, and I can't change everything. I can't just muscle up and mentally prepare myself and do everything I can to focus in and say, okay, I can change this. We ought to change everything we possibly can that we want to change and feel right to change, but there will be things that are out of our control. And the sooner we come to the place that we accept that, the better off we're going to be. That's what Paul's trying to say. You know, I've come to the place in my life when whatever circumstance I find myself in, I'm content. Huh. A theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr, expressed the same attitude in this prayer. God, give us grace to accept with serenity the things that we cannot change or cannot be changed. Courage to change the things which should be changed and the wisdom to distinguish one from the other. When we come to that place in life where we accept with serenity, he says, the things that cannot be changed, that says there's a sense of peace about it's okay if I don't change that. He also indicated that we need the courage to change the things that we can. So we don't roll over and die. Rather, we try to distinguish what is God's direction here? Am, am I going to invest in this issue or this life or this person and if i'm going to i'm going to change what needs to be changed for justice and righteousness according to what scripture says or things i can't change then i need to have a peace about that otherwise there's going to be continually this battle in my mind and my heart as i should something there should be an anxiousness in our lives when we can't do that Epaphroditus had brought to Paul some things that he needed. And now, out of gratitude to these believers, the Apostle Paul writes this thank you letter in this part, and he reminded them that he does not depend on the gifts that they are giving, but he was grateful for them. He told them that he could get along without their love gifts. And at the same token, he wanted them to understand the reason I say that is because my commitment to God and to that to which he has called me is not based on things because if that avenue dries up and those things are no longer there then what happens to my commitment 
Well, must not be God's will then. When in reality, you know without a doubt, God has called you to do those things. He's gifted you to accomplish those things. And so our commitment is not based on things because God will provide, as we will see in this passage. Our commitment, and this is what Paul's trying to get across, is to God and that to which God had called him. And he's not saying, I'm not appreciative of your gifts, but my ministry does not depend upon that. He, um, it's a kind of an interesting phrase he uses here because boldly he said, I greatly rejoice in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. So he boldly saying, <laughs> well, it's been a while. But you notice he quickly comes back and he says, gently excusing them, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul is gently, yet boldly saying, you always need to look out for the needs of those who have needs. In other words, don't just stay in your hole, in your locale, Always be looking for where God is leading you to be compassionate in your care. But he also says, but you know what? Sometimes you might have that understanding and you might have that concern, but timing is everything. When is that time that you're going to have the opportunity to help? And I believe that it is a great illustration of us continuing to seek God in our prayer time, continuing to walk with Him and listen to Him, knowing that at some point, at the right time, He's going to open up a door where I can minister. And I think Paul is saying, now you had opportunity, and as soon as you had the opportunity, you're ready to send Epaphroditus. It was a teaching moment, and I think it should be for us as well. He's added in verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need. It's an interesting word. That word translated need talks about Paul's condition. It's the same word that Jesus used in Mark 12, 44, when he described the poor widow who put her two mites in the treasury. Jesus said, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on Paul's need and the widow's poverty are the same word so Paul's not saying he's saying I I'm not saying this because I'm in poverty in other words Paul Paul was going to survive but he said your love gift it showed your love for me and the opportunity finally came for you to be able to share that and come beside me encourage me because yes obviously the love gift is going to help but you're thinking about me and you're showing your love for me it means everything as I am sitting here in prison that's what Paul's condition when Epaphroditus arrived Paul was faced 
for the fact that he was chained to a Roman soldier, even under house arrest. Day and night, and day and night. And through that avenue, they began to understand his circumstances and just the encouragement that their prayers and their sending Epaphroditus was to Paul to say, listen and look what you did for me. What was his reaction to these stressful events over which he had no control? Because Paul wasn't going to mount up a prisoner escape. <laughs> he couldn't change what was ahead. Did he become angry? Was he impatient with God? Did he complain and say, God, I, you called me to be your ambassador to the Gentiles. I've been going about everywhere on these missionary journeys, establishing churches and bringing people to know Christ. All of the things I've been through, what are you doing here? Why am I chained up? No, he didn't do any of those things. He, he left that to others to do, to complain in their circumstances. His response is beautifully stated in verse 11 when he said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. And my challenge to you this morning on this point is, is that where you are? The circumstance that you're in right now, and as I look out across this worship center, I, I know most of you pretty well. And I know some things that you've been through in your life and some things that you're going through right now. What I don't know is what's ahead for you but I know there are always going to be challenges. So my question to you is, have you learned to be content no matter the circumstance? Or are you worried, anxious, discouraged, depressed? You're questioning God at every turn. So Paul had learned his lesson from the years of suffering. I've already mentioned some of those things, but he was in and out of jail quite a bit. In his travels, he had some very bad and very dangerous times. He was hungry and cold. He had persecutions from pagans, and listen, persecutions from fellow Jews. And yet he said, I have learned the secret of being content. And that's the secret I want you to learn. going to be a lot of things that come our way and we're not going to be able to change them our faith will not change them our prayers won't change them time won't change them they're going to be hard and difficult things that if we could change them we would but we can't and so we've got to bear them and we've got to let them develop within us a character of dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying don't have faith. And I'm not saying don't pray. What I am saying is there are going to be things that you can't change. 
And no matter how much you want to and how much you plead with God, it's just going to happen. And so what you do is you come in to that third step, which is so critical. The lesson that Paul brings out of here, that in those times, to have the serenity and the peace, when we can't change the difficulties of life, is that we must draw upon the strength of Jesus. Paul stated his dependency upon Jesus in that familiar verse, verse 13, when he said, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He says, in the midst of all of this, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul could not change his circumstance of being under house arrest, chained to the Roman soldier, and somehow surviving that process. But he said, I can do anything, everything through Christ, because he's the one that strengthens me. It's not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it myself. I can do it myself. Regardless, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to change everything. It's Jesus and the strength that he gives us. You see, he's the one who gives us that inner peace. You remember earlier in this passage, in chapter 4, he talks about the peace of God, which passes all understanding. We can't understand it, but he gives us that peace. That's what Paul had come to. That's the secret is that inner peace and that inner joy that only Jesus can give when we can't change what's around us. And then he added in verses 19 and 20, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, to glory be forever and ever. Amen. How vast are the glorious riches of Jesus? Endless. And he says, and my God will meet all your needs. Is Paul's God the same God that you follow? Or have you kind of formed your own view of God? that he'll help in these circumstances, but he won't help in these. Or I'm, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough for him to help in these areas, but in these areas it would be okay. What kind of God have you formed? The God Paul, the Apostle Paul followed was the creator of the universe. He continues to intervene and to be the God of this universe and the God who created us. Somewhere along the line, we need to come to that contentment and that realization that no matter what befalls us, we can do anything through Christ who strengthens us, and our God will meet all of our needs. Maybe not according to how we want it to show, or how we think, or diagram out in our great intellect and logic, how God ought to do things. 
but he has your best interest at heart. And no matter what happens in this life, he is going to be there to meet your needs. That's what he promises. And those include the needs that some get that say, I'm sorry, there is nothing else we can do. I went to the Mayo Clinic one day. I, I talked to this older gentleman who was coming out. And I had a conversation with him, and he said, well, the cancer spread everywhere. And the doctors at Mayo said, there's just not any, anything we can do. Try to change that, right? Even in those times, God will meet your needs. He will give you the peace to transition from this life to life that is better by far. We deal with this pretty consistently when there is a loss of a spouse. Now you can't change that either. And it's painful. And the grief is almost too much to bear. But this same God will meet your needs in that time of grief. There are a lot of testimonies in this worship center about that very thing. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it less painful. It doesn't shorten the grief time because that hole is always there. But you know that God is going to continue to work in your life. And he's going to meet your needs right where you are. That's the God we serve. Because this life is a temporal life. And he's got a better one ahead. But right now, we're worried about this life and the journey that we have. You probably remember well the poem, The Footprints. And I love that poem as I read through it. As in the, the mountains and the dangerous valleys, the man who died and is meeting with Jesus now in heaven, he said, why... Why is it that during the easy times of life, you always walk beside me, but during the hardest times and, and when there was loss and when there was frustration and there was danger, there's only one said, why did you leave me? <laughs> you remember. Jesus said, during the easy times of life, I walked beside you, but during the hard times, I carried you. Hence, one set of footprints. Might be a poem but it's exactly illustrating what Paul's trying to say. That in the hardest times of life, in our journey, he's going to be there. And he's going to take care of us. My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus.
Paul discovered the grace and the strength to handle life on his journey. And it came through the inexhaustible resources of Christ Jesus. That when he didn't think he could go another step or he could breathe one more time left for dead, it was always these inexhaustible resources from Jesus. And I want you to know the same strength that's available to you and to me. And we've got to draw upon that and learn how to handle life as we go through this journey. Robert Louis Stevenson, Scottish novelist, talked about his granddad. His granddad was, was on, a, uh, on a boat. It was a fierce storm. Water was just flooding the decks. At the, very, at the very peak of the storm, he decided to carefully make his way up to the deck because he wanted to see how bad it really was. And when he got up there, he saw the captain was lashed to the wheel of the ship. And he was guiding that ship not to be swept away, away from the rocks and into the safe water. As fierce as the storm was. And his grandfather said, when I looked at the captain, he looked at me, and he smiled. And as I went back down into my compartment, I said to myself, everything is going to be okay, because the pilot smiled. I want you to know that everything's going to be okay, because the Lord Jesus Christ His inexhaustible resources are always going to be with you. No matter what you face in life, it's going to be okay because he smiles upon you. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I just ask you to take what Paul has written. Give us understanding in the trials and the difficulties of life that we must rely upon you completely. So God, help us to find the secret of that contentment because we know you're going to provide for us no matter what we face. So Father, in this worship center, in this invitation, as you've spoken to each one of us, and we're each unique, I pray that we will commit ourselves to have the contentment in you no matter what, and no matter what we're facing right now. Father, if there are other decisions to be made to give their lives to Christ or to join this church, I pray they would be made. But most importantly, help us to hear and help us to respond as an act of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our invitation hymn. I give all my service to you. I give all my service to you, no matter the cost or whatever's true, I give all
surface to you. I give all my family to you. I give all my family to you. No matter the cost or what others do, I give all my family to you. I give all my future to you. I give all my future to you. No matter the cost or what others do, I give all my future to be seated if you would and I uh, just encourage you to contemplate some of the things that we uh, we've talked about today process them think through what you're going through and let the strength of Christ get you through those uh, on June 8th Thursday June 8th we begin a study church-wide study on uh, experiencing God knowing and doing the will of God uh, how many of you ever been through that before yeah it's a pretty good number um, this will be the seventh time I will have gone through it and taught it over the years and I tell you what it's revised it's updated it's incredible study even at this season of life so I'd encourage you to come it's gonna be a flexible schedule I think we have a video clip that we want to show and I think the sign-up sheets are uh, in both four years but I, I, I hope that you will consider over those 13 Thursdays to to come and be engaged when you're in town when you're not in town just come when you get back okay uh, it's going to be that kind of study, and you will learn a lot. And I'm Richard Blackaby. And he's my oldest son. And he's my oldest father. <laughs> We're glad that each of you could be a part of this study of experiencing God. Could I say to you without a question, it is impossible when God encounters you for you to stay where you are and go with God at the same time. You're going to have to leave something. There's going to have to be some major adjustments. And many don't go with him because they don't want to get out of the comfort zone of where they are. God is at work all around where you are, in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. He is at work. And what we need to pray is, oh God, would you open my eyes to see what you're doing? And when I see, God, help me to have the courage to join you and to be a part of the great work that you're doing. Experiencing God is simply a tool. The one who will change you is God himself. Do you sense that you have any need of some help into that life-transforming encounter with God? Experiencing God is a tool. Experiencing God doesn't change you. The God that you come to know because we've helped you to know how to know him, now he will change you.
Dr. Kennedy mentioned, there are sign-up sheets in both lobbies for you to indicate that you would like to be part of that study. There are also other sign-up sheets. I will refer you to the bulletin as to what those are. But let me remind you that this is your last opportunity today to sign up for the movie lunch, which will be this Thursday at 12.30. The movie is at 1 o'clock. That's free, free popcorn and water. But if you're coming at 12.30 for lunch, we need you to sign up indicating that you're doing that. It's a cost of $5. Would you stand as we have our closing prayer as Charlene Carrillo comes to lead us? Shall we pray? Dear Lord, just thank you for this beautiful day in which you've given us and these challenges that you've also has given us today through Dr. Kennedy's message that we will learn to be contented with what we have and learn to just lean on one another through love. Guide us and direct us this next week and be with the people that have not been able to make it today because of sickness and pray for the caregivers too that they can help the ones that are in need and just thank thank you again in Jesus name amen